0: Man, it's great to be here with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and we are your independent Big 12 digital media outlet trying to get you through the most bizarre time in the sports world in ever. Is that fair? Is that a fair assessment? Wow. What a time to be alive, huh? What a time to be alive. And before we dive into it, guys, please, you've got some extra time on your hands right now. I, lo- I know a lot of us do. So please take a moment out to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. It will mean the world to me, and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. If you do that, uh, just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will... Uh, Get that tea in the mail. So on top of that, you've got Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlsby talking with ESPN this week and admitting that he is not sure whether or not we can have a full and robust football season. And I am trying not to run back to my bedroom and cry on my wife's shoulder about this. This is crushing to hear. Absolutely crushing to hear. Hope you're staying safe, by the way, and hope you are, uh, you know, staying healthy and doing your best to social distance during these tough times. I also hope we can get the economy back going soon. We need that not to get into the news side of this. But when you see now 16 plus million people out of work the past three weeks, that's 10 percent of the economy that cannot last forever. All right. That can't last forever. So we need to have a plan intact, especially as it looks like we are starting to flatten the curve in many parts of the country but as it relates back to college football and especially the big 12 bob bullsby told espn virtually every program is highly reliant on football revenues we're making lots of contingency plans but if you don't get the anticipated number of games in you lose the donations you lose the sponsorships you lose the gate receipts and you lose tv it's potentially very impactful. We're talking millions of dollars for these colleges. And I don't want to just make it about the colleges, by the way. Let's not forget the small business owners. Many of you out there who own mom-and-pop restaurants in these college towns, in places like Manhattan, Kansas, or Waco, Texas, or Lubbock. I mean, all these places, Stillwater, across the Big 12, where you garner a ton of your revenue— off of those six home college football games every fall. How much of that, for some of you, is that part of your big revenue stream throughout the entire year? So, yeah, I mean, we'll get into what it means for the programs. I understand that's a huge part of this. But I think about the small business owners as well in these college towns who are so reliant on those weekends, on those home games. That's one of the many reasons I don't like these neutral site games. I I actually can't stand them. Like, I'm all about Oklahoma playing UCLA. Uh, I like when they're on campus. I love when they're – I want them to be on campus. Texas LSU on campus. I don't like these neutral site games that uh, TV networks try to push where they play them in Atlanta or they try to play them in Dallas. Like, give me a home and home. You know, I know the networks are looking out for themselves – But give us the home and home because that's what's right for the communities across all of college football is making these games home and home. That's what matters. That's what's important. And the economies, local economies, rely on that. So this news comes on the heels of reports that athletic departments could see 20% declines in revenues during the 2021 school years. And even abbreviated football season could cause them to lose that much money. That would be devastating. Absolutely devastating. Bowlesby did add in his conversation with ESPN, uh, the Big 12 has implemented a 10% salary cut across the board in the conference office. That includes Bowlesby. And he added the Big 12 has eliminated all year-end bonuses and are formulating a reduced scope of operation plan that saves quite a bit of money. But we're all relatively – but we are a relatively small operation. Most of our resources are passed through to our members. That's from Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. Now, we shared with you a report a couple of weeks ago that said the college football is considering moving the season up to July, August, and September. That came from the Sports Business Journal. I never bought that because – If anything, if anything, now we're learning more about this coronavirus every day, but July seems very soon to be filling these stadiums with 100,000 people. And by the way, have you been to Waco, Texas in the middle of July? Go to the SEC. Have you been to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or Gainesville, Florida in the middle of July? I, you know, you couldn't pay me enough to go to some of these places in mid-July. You just couldn't do it. So I don't know how the players would play with all the pads, all the gear on, uh, the helmets in mid-July. I mean, that is uh, potentially, you don't want to talk about coronavirus being a health issue. That's potentially a health issue. No doubt about it. But this quote from Bob Bowlesby to ESPN that is up on our site here at heartlandcollegesports.com, that is one of those things that uh, Bowlesby is saying out loud what nobody wants to right now. Now, I believe, and maybe this is just me being an optimist, but I believe at worst case, college football is going to be played maybe without a full stadium. Maybe we still try to social distance come August, September, and they're doing like, you know, every other seat, every third seat, whatever it might be. But man, if we're sitting here in late August, early September, and they can't start the college football season, which means theoretically you would have had no Major League Baseball because they're talking about starting up in midday. You would have had no NBA playoffs, no NHL playoffs, and uh, NFL may be on the brink. This country is going to have uh, tens of millions of people out of work, and it won't much matter because no one's going to have any money to spend. There will be no ad revenues to ESPN or Fox. They will be barely hanging on because they'll have not made any money for months. And everybody might be watching games because everybody's going to be unemployed without a job. That's the socioeconomic side of this. If we're actually having a serious conversation about the idea of not playing football, college football, come September. And that's why I'm optimistic that, especially as the numbers start to flatten across the country, that. We will be out of this sooner rather than later. And if we're at the point where we can't play college football in September, this country is going to have much bigger problems than college football. You know, this podcast, I'll be like, hey, guys, uh, I'm sitting here in Kansas City on the corner of Broadway and 10th Avenue. I've got a cup out. I've got a daughter at home. I'm homeless. Uh, Can you help me out here with a couple of things? I mean, that's what this would be about. That's where I would be (laughs) if we're sitting here come uh, come September, and there's no football because the entire economy will be destroyed at that point if they're still in these stay-at-home orders for the next four and a half months. We can't handle it. We've lost 16 million jobs the past three weeks. It's just not sustainable. And that's why when Kirk Herbstreet uh, went on a podcast with The Athletic and he was like, yeah, I think college football is up in the air, and you had Gene Taylor, the athletic director from Kansas State, Smack him around a little bit. I I love that. I, I love it because Bob Bowlesby be, should be preparing for a worst-case scenario. But if we actually end up having to use it, I mean, it's game over. It's just it, – it's game over, and there are going to be much bigger problems in this world than whether or not college football is being played. But yeah, if you missed this last week, uh, Gene Taylor was frustrated with Kirk Herbstreit saying he'd be shocked to see college football played this fall, saying, quote, I appreciate Kirk becoming a medical doctor and telling us what we should or shouldn't do. I'm not ready to go there yet. Uh, Bravo. Bravo, Gene Taylor. That was a fantastic line. But you see stuff like this from Bob Bowlesby, and it does start to scare you here. It does start to scare you. I mean, I'm just thinking about media days, man. I mean, that's one of my favorite couple of days of the year. Big 12 media days, go down to Dallas. Last year, it was uh, at the AT&T Stadium. Two years prior, it was at the Star in Frisco. And you got the hype around the coaches. You got the players. And uh, there's a lot of excitement there. A lot of excitement. And to think that that is probably, I hate to say it at this point, 50-50 at best and to think that now Bob Bowlesby is actually saying out loud that college football might not be played, man, I'm trying to pinch myself to make sure this is still real life, and it is. But I want to thank each and every one of you, uh, our listeners, our readers, our subscribers, for sticking with us. I mean, we're going to give you as much content as we possibly can on the website, and the podcast and the radio show is going to continue every week. So, We're not going anywhere, despite the fact that we do have this national pandemic we are dealing with. So uh, we appreciate you hanging with us. Your support right now during these times means even more to me and to us than it normally does. And I can't thank you guys enough for that. So hang with us. I'm optimistic. I feel like college football is going to be here, but I can't say it with any type of certainty. Coming up, which Big 12 coach might find himself in the hot seat? We'll get to it uh, next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So if there's anything good about what's going on right now, maybe it gives uh, officials a little more time to work on, oh, I don't know, the rule book. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. You're independent, Big 12. Digital media outlet, thanks for joining us, being a part of the show. So you've got a situation right now where the NCAA coordinator of officials says that, yes, and and don't all rejoice at once. But we are going to potentially put, I don't want to jinx it, I don't want to go too far here. But we are potentially going to find a situation where we are going to cut down on the faking of injuries in 2020. Yes, Steve Shaw told ESPN, coaches, officials, administrators uh, discussed the act of faking injuries during the competition uh, committee's meeting at the NCAA headquarters in Indianapolis a few weeks back. And while the discussion did not result in a new rule, it did result in a stern warning to coaches to ensure that players won't fake as many injuries moving forward. Uh, Here's where Shaw's mistaken. Unless you get a rule, nothing's going to change. What does a stern warning mean? I mean, these are people who are competing at the highest level, or not the highest level, that would be the NFL, but, you know, the highest level of college ball, and if a guy falls down and gets injured, you know what you got to do? Here's the way around this for the NCAA. If a guy is injured and he does the whole, well, you know, you got to sit out a play or whatever, right? How about you got to sit out the series, the rest of the series, that may that may help mitigate this. That may help uh, turn the tide when it comes to this stuff. There's got to be consequences. You got to figure out what the punishment is going to be. And how are you going to judge players' health and intention on the fly? I mean, that's a very difficult thing to do. So I, I don't see it being like implemented with fines or anything like that. I think you got to say, hey, you got to sit out the rest of the series and away we go. And then see what comes out of it from there. But I I don't see what else you could possibly do in terms of judging how injured somebody is in that moment when they're on the sidelines, you know, holding a knee, holding a calf, or whatever it might be. I mean, that seems like a very difficult thing to implement, and I don't see how it gets done. So uh, I, I don't have great hope for this, but I'm optimistic about it. I believe it's something that at least should be part of the conversation uh, moving forward. All right. Coaches that are facing the most pressure in 2020. CBS Sports, Barris Ali put this together at CBS Sports. And here's who his list included. And this is not the Big 12, this is all of college football. Clay Helton at USC, no brainer. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, no brainer. Chip Kelly, UCLA. Eh, yeah, yeah. I, he's only two years in, but man, it's been a bad two years, seven and seventeen. Will Champ, South Carolina, uh, has not been great, not been great at all. Kevin Sumlin, Arizona, another overrated hire who did okay with Johnny Manziel and nothing since. Uh, Gus Malzahn, Auburn, I mean, Malzahn's always feeling some heat. Scott Frost at Nebraska, um, he's gone three and six in the Big Ten each of his first two seasons. Last year, a lot of people thought that they may make some noise in the Big Ten West. He's not going to be fired if he struggles, but if they don't get to a ball game, I think some noise might pick up at Nebraska. Here's the deal for Nebraska, and I've said this for years now, should have never left the Big 12 Conference. Should have never left the Big 12 Conference. That was so dumb of Nebraska. Now, they'll say it's not because they'll sit there and they'll say, well, we're in the Big 10 academically. It's better. It's higher end. It's the Big 10, yada, yada, yada okay well nobody cares uh sorry not a huge deal I mean maybe it does to your academic side of the institution but I'll tell you right now I mean Nebraska in the big 12 had it not lost the pipeline to Texas and was competing for big 12 titles I think would be, be in a better place academically as well I, that's just my hunch that's just my gut telling me that uh I, there's no way to prove it but I'm telling you, national football relevancy does help your academics, believe it or not. Does. And Nebraska football has been irrelevant now for, can we say, a decade? Are we approaching that point? We're approaching a decade if we're not there already. I mean, certainly half a decade, right? You can absolutely make that argument pretty easily. So uh, that's where we are right now. But in the Big 12, who is on the list? Coaches with the most approved this year from CBS Sports feeling the most pressure. Tom Herman, Texas. Now, here's what Barrett Salee writes about Tom Herman. Barring a three and nine disaster, it's unlikely that Herman will be fired if the Longhorns fail to contend in 2020. With that said, they'll have to prove that they are truly back in order for Herman to avoid Texas power brokers eyeing him up like Bevo. Uh, (laughs) He'll have a senior quarterback in dual threat weapon, Sam Ellinger plus a door that's wide open, thanks to a Big 12 star Oklahoma breaking in a young quarterback. Herman was hired to bring Texas back to the glory days it enjoyed in the latter half of the 2000s. Three seasons in, that looks as far away as it was during year one in 2017. I don't think it looks that far away for Texas. I mean, if you're saying, okay, and who's got the best shot of making the Big 12 championship game, you'd have three teams, clear three teams. OU, Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas you want to say OU, Texas, Oklahoma State, you can make the argument there. But I think they got to make a Big 12 title game for Herman to not feel heat. I don't think he has to make a college football playoff. I don't think he's got to win the Big 12, but he's got to be playing in Dallas in early December, assuming the college football season doesn't get royally screwed up. He's got to be playing in that Big 12 title game. But here's what saves him. And I think this saves a lot of coaches this year, believe it or not. What saves a lot of coaches... Football and basketball, and all levels for that matter, is this coronavirus. Is the fact that budgets are strained, donations are down. Now, you might say, well, you know, the major power brokers at Texas, they still got money. Yeah, but are they going to pay tens of millions of dollars in buyouts? Are they going to do it? I don't think they are, or I don't think they're going to be as likely to pull the trigger. Is that fair? I think it is. I think it's absolutely fair, and I think that applies to Tom Herman. I think you saw that with Shaka Smart. Who knows what would have happened with Shaka Smart. Guy had a $10 million buyout, and you know what? Big 12 tournament gets canceled on Thursday right before the Longhorns are about to play Texas Tech, and boom, away we go. So I think absolutely, absolutely uh, Tom Herman, in a weird way, gets helped by the coronavirus drama. And I think all coaches get helped by it because it's not as easy to just pay the buyout and go to the next guy because money's going to be tight. Uh, regardless, money's going to be tight. They missed out on all of that NCAA tournament uh, money for the athletic department. So that's a decision that becomes a little bit more difficult at all of these universities, including the Blue Bloods. Can't overlook it. Now, if Herman goes 3-9, and nine, I mean, that's, uh, that's a disaster. I see no way that that happens, but I'm just saying... I think anything outside of the Big 12 championship game appearance is a disappointment this year. When you've got the best quarterback that you've had as a senior in Sam Ellinger, best quarterback you've had since Colt McCoy over a decade ago as a senior, and we're not even saying you got to win the conference. you got to get to the game. you got to get to the game if you're Tom Herman. And the pressure is also going to be, and it's not going to be on Mike Gundy, uh, but I'm just saying, Gundy's got to be like, I've got Tylan Wallace back. Uh, I've got Chuba Hubbard back. And yeah, I've got a younger quarterback. Then I've got basically my whole defense back, 10 of 11 guys. I mean, Gundy's going to be like, this is the year. I-, I don't know if it's, you know, Brandon Whedon, Justin Blackman, year two type of pressure or type of expectations, but he's got to be saying to himself, jeez, uh, this is the year. And maybe OU doesn't do it. I mean, OU's clearly, clearly got the best talent in the um, Big 12 top to bottom. They do, but they're breaking in that young quarterback. You know, they, they, for the first time, Lincoln Riley's not sitting there with a transfer who's been through the fire and is ready to roll and ready to get this team to a college football playoff. He has had that the past three years with Kyler Murray, uh, with Jalen Hurts, and with Baker Mayfield. That is not the case this year. Spencer Rattler's a five-star stud, but uh, he hasn't played since high school. I mean, he played a couple of snaps last year, but for the most part, has not played since high school. That's totally different. So maybe this is the year that OU is is out of the picture, and I don't mean they're going to go six and six, but maybe it's it's a Texas, maybe it's an Oklahoma State, maybe it's a Baylor that can still sneak up. Um, you know, there are absolutely other possibilities but it still feels like it's a three-horse race very early in the year and uh, Tom Herman is absolutely feeling pressure I just don't think he's sitting on a hot seat boring disaster I think he bought himself a couple more years by the way with the new coordinator hires on both sides of the ball and I think that's part of the reason he did that and that's part of the reason that he did that to get himself a little bit more time at least two more seasons Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly part of heartlandcollegesports.com Great to have you here and joining us as part of the show. How about Mike Gundy causing some controversy? We'll get to that next. Ah, So as we spend the final few minutes on the show here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, uh, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for joining us and being a part of the show. I want to spend some time defending Mike Gundy for a second, which I know nobody else wants to do, but Mike Gundy is getting eviscerated for some of the things that he said this week on a teleconference regarding the coronavirus. Uh, He hopped on a conference call this week, and he talked to some reporters, and he said, quote, we have to have a plan, and the plan right now is for them to start meeting his players on May 1st. It might get backed up two weeks. I don't know. I can't make that call. But if it does, we'll start with the employees of this company, the ones that come in this building. Then we'll bring the players in and slowly but surely we'll test them all in. Okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a plan, by the way. And we should have a plan. As I noted earlier in the show, whether it's for the broader economy at the federal and statewide level or if it's for a a company, and Oklahoma State football, you can say, and Oklahoma State athletics is basically its own company. There's nothing wrong with having a plan. Uh, Gundy went on to say, "We get that people, we get people that get the flu during the season. We quarantine them, we treat them, we make sure they're healthy, and we bring them back. It would be the same thing here. But at some point, we've got to go back to work. We've got to get these guys back in here." Well, I mean, there are differences between what Mike Gundy is saying and some of the realities of the flu. Uh, this coronavirus is two and a half to three times as contagious as the flu. Uh, it's, it obviously spreads faster. Uh, the death rate is 10 times-ish, the flu. Now, if you're a young, healthy, 19, 20-year-old college athlete, I mean, you've got a minuscule chance. I mean, you might not even know that you have it because we're learning that this has a far greater effect on people who are older And who have, you know, underlying health conditions than it does younger people. I'm a millennial. I am uh, in my early 30s. I'm, you know, doing my part in social distancing because I could be a carrier and not really know it because I might get it for a hot minute and not realize I have it. I don't want to pass it on to somebody else, you know, whether it's a coworker, a friend, a family member who might be older or have some underlying health conditions. So I don't want to do that uh, for that reason So that's where Mike Gundy, I think, is off base. But he's not wrong in saying, hey, we got to have a plan here. But where he is wrong in saying is that this is just like the flu because it's technically not. And unless you haven't watched any news or haven't read any news in the past month or so, uh, you would know that. But Gundy was not done there. He went on to say, quote, this goes back to the NCAA, the presidents of the universities, the conference commissioners, the athletic directors. All need to be meeting right now, and we need to start coming up with answers. In my opinion, if we must bring our players back, test them. They're in good shape. They're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old and healthy. A lot of them can fight it off with their natural body, their antibodies, and build it up. They have those, and they are then asymptomatic. If that's true, then we sequester them. And people say that that's crazy. No, it's not crazy because we need to continue to budget and run money through the state of Oklahoma. Uh, The end part of that for Gundy is a bad look uh, because we know the players aren't paid and it makes it look like, you know, unpaid labor to make money for the state. Not ideal. Not ideal at all. But where I'm going to defend Gundy is this notion that everybody that's written something about this story has been like, how could Mike Gundy say that? He is so insensitive. It was the worst thing to ever be said. Worst thing in the world. The general theme for Mike Gundy is that we need a plan, and the people that are going to be around this football program and around this athletic department are not people who typically would have anywhere close to the health issues that older folks or those with underlying conditions would have. And he is right about that. We know that to be factually true. Now, the other issue is we don't have the testing capabilities right now that we should have to basically say, hey, Oklahoma State, you're going to get 100 something tests for your players and coaches that way you can tell uh who has it and if they don't have it you can bring them all in and bring them all back like we don't have the luxury of those testing capabilities right now we're getting there and we might have it by may but we are not there just yet so i don't think that game plan would work like uh, the state or federal government's not going to be like yeah we need a hundred test kits for oklahoma state football like (laughs) it may happen in May as we continue to uh, produce more testing kits, but it's not going to happen right now. And I think Mike Gundy has to understand it, but he's not bringing up unreasonable points. And the fans who uh, saw these quotes and are like, Mike Gundy obviously watches Fox News and supports Donald Trump based on those comments. And I'm not going to root for Mike Gundy ever again. And I'm not going to root for the Cowboys. Great. Don't uh, don't buy the season tickets. And Uh, When they finish second in the Big 12 and are playing for a Big 12 championship down in Dallas and you can't get a seat, don't complain because you put your politics ahead of sports. Like, I don't care what my uh, sports figures or my musicians care about politics. I prefer they not voice them publicly because sports and music theoretically should be a place we can get away from politics. But if they do, would I not root for a team or a player or a coach or would I not go to a concert of somebody that I disagree with a lot politically? I, I would not let that impact me. I, that's just me, though. Maybe I'm alone. I love Bruce Springsteen, you know, don't necessarily love all the politics, but I, I don't let that get in the way. I don't think anybody should, you know? I mean, Gundy's entitled to an opinion. There were some things he said that I, uh, I agree with the sentiments of. There are other things he said that just factually were not accurate. But the evisceration of Mike Gundy the last few days, uh, fairly predictable, by the way. I'll leave it at that. Fairly predictable as well. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. You guys stay safe, be well, and we'll be back next week. So uh, please join us each and every week. Leave that rating, review, subscribe. would mean the world to me. And guess what? We'll send you a free koozie if you do it. Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon.